0: Oak of Guernica. Basque kings and leaders and government officials later met to enact legislation and to discuss business of the state. The tree survived the bombing. The Condor Legion, I must, uh, I realize, add this. The Condor Legion was a, a squadron of German flyers working, flying for the Franco forces, the nationalist forces. Uh, the ostensible purpose of the raid, the purpose that was given out later, was the destruction of a bridge, a certain bridge. Guernica was an undefended town. Waiting for instructions Monday morning, Von Morrow basked in the sunshine, the warm breeze, and the exclusive status of his v- VB 88 squadron on the Burgos airfield. His four 200-miles-per-hour Heinkel 111 bombers only lately arrived in Spain, and still considered experimental, were sleeker and faster than the Junkers. They had metal frames and were more maneuverable. They were parked separately, and Von Moro's 32 men fraternized little with the Junkers crews. They drank in their own bars, played cards in their own office, and marked their sandstone and gray plains distinctively with a Condor vulture clawing a bomb. About noon, von Richthofen, that's the cousin of the Manfred that we know, marched into the operations room, the closed off lounge of the Fronton Hotel in Vitoria, the Condor Legion's forward base. On on bulletin board was his memo asking squadron leaders to remind pilots of the golden rule, if a target could not be attacked for any reason, bombs, loads should be dropped anyway on enemy ground without regard for the civilian population. Von Richthofen went to the plotting table and announced, the attack is on. The date, by the way, is April 26, 1937. His staff peered at Ariel photos showing troops moving along the three escape roads toward the Renteria Bridge. Anything that moves on those roads or that bridge can be assumed to be unfriendly and should be attacked, von Richthofen said. With his usual precision, he outlined a staggering concert. Von Moro's overture would be a solo. He would bomb alone, mostly to probe for anti-aircraft defenses, and then rendezvous with the other planes of his squadron and dispatch them for the first major bombing run. His HE-111s would be shielded by six of the soon-to-be-famous Messerschmitt BF-109 fighters flying 2,000 feet above them, and later swooping down to assist with the strafing. Twenty-three Junkers would hit next from 6,000 feet in three waves. The finale would be staged by 10 HE-51s bombing and machine gunning in low-level attacks. The 43 aircraft would carry 100,000 pounds of bombs, about one-third of them ECB-1 incendiaries, never before used against an urban target. Von Richthofen said they were, quote, ideal for creating panic among a retreating enemy. To button up his onslaught, he ordered an additional six HE-51s to stage a diversionary attack on the road south of Gannica prior to the main show. On the roof of the Carmelite convent northwest of town, converted into a hospital for almost 500 battle casualties, two nuns, acting as lookouts, rang a handbell and shouted, Avion, Avion. Before the mother superior could telephone the warning into Granica, the bells of Santa Maria Church started pealing. Downtown, the market crowds quickly realized it was a market day, by the way, a Monday. So the town was more crowded than usual. Quickly realized it was an air raid warning, but only a handful took shelter in the refugios. They offered little protection anyway, mostly a few sandbags covering boards laid over some of the patios. Von Moro spotted troops on the hills west of the town. Was Guernica fortified? He went into a steep climb as his bombardier spotted the Renteria Bridge. There was no flak. Guernica was undefended. The discovery prompted Von Moro to descend to 4,000 feet for his bombing run. Bombs ready, shouted the bombardier. He called for minor course changes. Von Morrow executed them in slowed to 150 miles per hour. Bombs away. Some 3,000 pounds of death rained down. Huddling in his mud hole, monks, that's a British uh, reporter, correspondent, heard the great grumbling noises of the bombs. He was glued to his wristwatch, ticking off the minutes of his confinement from the strafing. It was 435. Ten minutes after the heikels departed in search of fatter targets, he got up and hurried back to, to Bilbao, unaware that he had heard the first rumbling of an international incident that would reverberate for years, history's most massive raid on an undefended target. Father Alberto de Onondia, a 34-year-old Basque priest and a canon of Valladolid Cathedral spotted von Moro's Heichel from the western edge of town. He had taken leave from his social work and was driving to the endangered nearby town of Marquina to evacuate his mother. It's nothing a peasant told him examining the sky, only one of the white ones. He'll drop a few bombs and then he'll go away. The locals had learned to distinguish between the twin-engined and the more malignant three-engined birds. Father Anandia drove on toward the railroad station in the center of Guernica. He feared for his mother. Von Moro, the precision artist, had failed for once. His bombs landed close to the Mondaco River, but at the railway station plaza, more than 300 yards west of the Renteria Bridge. One 550-pound bomb tore away the front of the Forsto Julian Hotel across from the station. Some 100 yards away, Juan Siliaco, a volunteer fireman hurrying to the fire station, was knocked off his feet and saw a group of women and children flying into the air, their bodies breaking apart. Arms, legs, and heads rained on him. Stumbling over the lower half of a woman, he scurried on toward the station past more than a dozen corpses. He pulled some screaming injured from rubble piles and joined a group of shrieking women clawing at the debris from the hotel. Children had been playing in front of the building. Yelling for silence, Siliaco placed an ear on the rubble. Rising, he shook his head. In the ticket office of the station, he and some other firemen dug out the clerk from under plaster and beams. The men shuddered and died. The man shuddered and died. They laid him at the end of a row of bodies outside. Bombs away, shouted the bombardier and Heinkel 254 approaching the Renteria Bridge at 2,000 feet. The remaining three planes of Von Morrow's squadron dropped their loads in a westward line from the candy factory near the bridge to the Arienne restaurant. The bridge was untouched. In the factory, the incendiaries ignited vats full of sugar solution. Screaming girls stampeded to the door. One woman worker collapsed, her hair and coveralls on fire. The canvas roofs of the market stalls were swept by flames. Shoppers and animals dropped, injured and dead. Juan Siliaco and his fellow firemen running toward the fire station saw it tumble down in smoke, the town's only fire truck flattened. Shaken but uninjured, Father Ronandia drove through screaming, praying, gesticulating crowds. Followed by chickens, pigs, and donkeys, townspeople ducked into the shelters. A growing mob ran for the town's eastern exit toward the hills, the Rentoria Bridge. A man carrying caged bird screamed for his wife to stay by his side. A woman with slashed feet cackled crazily. Overhead, five pairs of HE-51 zoomed in at 200 feet. Abandoning his car, Father Anandia took refuge under the sturdy bridge. The water at the river's edge was only ankle deep. Two hankles dipped over the marketplace and flew back and forth at perhaps 100 feet, raking the area with machine guns. The crewmen were clearly discernible from the ground. An incendiary bomb ricocheted off the corner of the arms factory. Four people were killed in the door of the shelter under the town hall. The mayor ordered it closed. People started choking as smoke drifted in. Plumes of smoke billowed into the brilliantly sunny sky. The bridge held. Still eager to rescue his mother, Father Anandia dashed for some woods. Planes started strafing the area as he burrowed under fallen leaves. The sinister sound of splintering wood frightened him. Fleeing women, children, and oldsters were, quote, falling in heaps like flies, and everywhere we saw lakes of blood. The major assault had not yet begun. Junker Squadron No. 1 and 1st Lieutenant Carl Von Nauer launched its bombing run in chains of three, flying wing to wing. The first bombs flattened the bank of Vizcaya. Fireman Siliaco nearby heard a chorus of wounded crying. A man with disabled legs crawled across the street pleading for help. He was blown apart with some cows from the market that had broken loose from their pens. Father Eusebio Aranatogi snapped an extraordinary photo of the first waves of Junkers and turned to watch his beloved Church of San Juan go up in flames. The Renteria Bridge stood untouched. 30 seconds behind von Nauer, Baron von Bust, leading the squ- second squadron in Junkers 2270, saw the first group of bombs dropping, but found the town obscured by what appeared to be dust clouds. Even a good bomb site would not have helped. The bombardiers dropped their loads without aiming or knowing what they were hitting. Captain Erhard von Delmensingen Kraft, leading the third squadron five miles behind, thought the dust was smoke. He also saw nothing of the town. But the Renteria bridge at its edge was clearly visible to him. As his plane lifted, following the release of his bombs, he looked back. His incendiaries cascaded in a silver stream into the town. His heavy bombs damaged the orchard, kitchen, and chapel of the La Merced convent, some 200 meters south. It stood. At 6.50 PM, six Messerschmitts under First Lieutenant Hervik Nupel, starting to strafe refugees and fleeing soldiers along the Mujica road, fired steadily into the town from north to south. At 7.30 PM, the HE-51 swooped down for the last attack of von Richthofen's plan. The bridge stood. So did the arms factory, the tree of Guernica, and the stone benches around it. Walking back into town, Father Anandia could see no further than 500 meters for all the flames and thick black smoke. Stumbling among rubble heaps and bomb craters as wide as 16 meters and 80 meters deep, the priests saw people emerging into the streets in stupor. Some were praying. None were crying. As they roamed in search of loved ones, the sky turned the color of blood. So did all the faces the priest saw. It was very quiet. He left on foot to look for his mother. Later in the night, he discovered her sitting exhausted by the roadside. Guernica's telephones were cut. So was the mortar main. Of the approximately 300 buildings, 271 were destroyed. Coming out of her family shelter, Ignacia Ozamis, four months pregnant, saw her home afire. Her husband hurried in and retrieved their money and papers. Oh, if only you'd managed to save my sewing machine, she said. He dashed back in. Climbing down with the machine, he found the staircase in flames. He heaved the machine out the window and jumped after it. He made it. The machine broke. Following routine debriefings at their bases in Burgos and Vitoria, the men of the Condor Legion relaxed. The brothel was busy, and in the lounge of the Hotel Fronton, the pilots were singing their favorite songs. Thank you, Dick, the, uh, it it reminds us of the power of words and the fact that we can still be moved even in this day and age by such a tragedy as that. Let us take a brief break and uh, at 3.30 we'll have a segment with Maurice Kenny. Diana Chang, and uh, at uh, 4 o'clock, Alan Ginsberg. And uh, I invite you all to participate in the uh, wine and cider, uh, and buy a poster if you wish. We will begin promptly at 3.30.